Welcome back, everybody. Another week is about to start. It was a long weekend out at Chiefs camp. A lot of updates. Matt Derrick is here to help us sort it all out. But who's going? Because this is game week. We're going to get into it tonight on Locked on Chiefs. From the land of the free and the home of the Chiefs, this is the Locked on Chiefs podcast. Welcome back, Chiefs Kingdom. This is Locked on Chiefs, part of the podcast that is known as the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day for free on every platform. Thanks for making us your first listen. Check out another Lockdown show for your second, maybe the draft show where you can hear me talk about guys that you haven't heard of yet. That's always fun. Uh, a lot going on there. We're brought to you by Bet Online. It's where the game starts. Check them out, and you'll hear more about them later. lot to go here. I'm Ryan Tracy, the founder of Rogue Analytics. I always forget to say that. You can find me on NFL33.com and RGRfootball.com and RogueAPC.com. You can find all the info you need from this guy, ChiefsDigest.com, Matt Derrick, Editor-in-Chief. The weekend's been a little up and down, yeah? Uh, a little bit. It's been a, you know, I mean, it's been a busy weekend. I mean, um, Saturday, remember, um, the original schedule that came out had the, the team practice on a Friday and off on a Saturday. Mm -hmm. And they changed that at the very beginning of camp. And I don't think it really got publicized very well because Saturday's crowd was probably the smallest Saturday <laughs> crowd I've ever seen. I mean, there's there were people out there. It was it, and it was a late arriving crowd, but it still wasn't what you would normally see. And then um we did manage to find out that, hey, 5,000 is the cap because they had 5,000 in attendance, or at least that was the number of tickets that were distributed on Sunday. So um, that was that was a full one, but a couple of steamy days. <sighs> it's hot in St. Joe, so I'm looking for this cool down this week. Well, and it seems that they're ramping some things up. We're going to talk about that coming up later. But um, it was reported, I, I, I didn't see it official until just between the RGR stream tonight and now doing the show. So... DeAndre Baker's been let go. Is that correct? Yeah, DeAndre Baker was the move that they made, waving him to make room for Devin Gray, the receiver that they agreed to terms with on Saturday. Okay. So I, I think I think we all had high hopes for a former first-round pick coming into Kansas City, and he looked good for a little bit. I don't think, in my opinion, he ever recovered from that femur injury. Is there something else playing into this, or is it really just fighting back from that, that cataclysmic injury? Yeah, I mean, I think that's the overarching view um, with a lot of people is that 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 was just a tough injury to come back from. Um, and he might still just not. I mean, it may be that he just never fully recovers from it from a football standpoint. Um, maybe it is when it was going to be something that was just going to take him maybe the two years instead of, you know, I mean, I mean, he was still a little bit over. I mean, about a year and a half, I guess now at this point, kind of, you know, from that. So maybe he still needs more time, but I even go back, you know, to the rookie year. I mean, it was an up and down year with the Giants. I mean, um, the the off the field problems notwithstanding. I mean, if he had had a better year as a rookie, I think the Giants would have held on to him and and, and tried to make it work. Um, but you know, we saw the same kind of thing in Kansas City. It was up and down. There, the consistency wasn't there, and and especially with the young players who had come in. I mean, there were just too many names in front of him. So I, I think the Chiefs probably to a degree, you know, hey, were there other players on, you know, from a zero to nine, one to 90 standpoint, were there other players that they could have made this move with? Yeah. I mean, you could probably make that argument, um, but probably good for Baker, you know, to give him an opportunity to see what else is out there if there's another opportunity. But it was pretty clear that that this was going to be a, a roster that was going to be difficult for him to make. Who does that bolster becomes the next question. And that means to me that, not just Josh Williams, we'll talk about him in a second. Uh, 
they both, Jalen Watson included, are ahead of him. Um, Nazi Johnson is would then obviously be ahead of him as well as DiCaprio Boodle. Is, is that track for you? Yeah, I mean, and do the math. I mean, you know, the Chiefs, hey, keeping six corners is extremely difficult. I mean, five is a more reasonable number. But, you know, and, and even though he's not back yet, I mean, this team does expect Rashad Fenton back um, sooner than later. So Fenton, McDuffie, and Sneed, you know where you're three. And then, okay, you really like Josh Williams. He's not going anywhere. Okay, hey, Jalen Watson, maybe he's your fifth. Well, you really like Nazi Johnson. And we haven't even gotten into conversations about Lonnie Johnson and DiCaprio Boodle and some other names. I mean, that is a, a, a still a far from settled cornerback position. But obviously, I mean, you're re- removing Baker from the equation certainly makes it easier for everybody else. Uh, but uh, there's going to be some surprising moves with this group. I mean, because, you know, one thing that the Chiefs have done, and I'm interested to see how it plays out after the Bears game, but they've really taken advantage of this camp to, you know, really give a lot of the young players big looks early. And, you know, you and I have talked about this in the past, that that's normally not what the Chiefs do. I mean, normally the Chiefs like to give the veterans, you know, the upper edge and force the rookies to win their spots. But I, I think especially with this cornerback group, they had so many young guys that they needed to find out who they are and what they can do and whether or not they can play. So that means we haven't seen some guys like Lonnie Johnson. And, you know, maybe there's been fewer opportunities for Boodle. I'm really intrigued to see what happens after the Bears game because I think mm-hmm. that's when you're going to see this team start getting to the point where it's like, okay, this the regular season is now what we're preparing for. It's not just about finding out whether or not guys can play. Now it's about rounding out the roster and finding a starting lineup. And, and, and unless something – I mean, unless there's injuries, I mean, Josh Williams and, and Jalen Watson are great young players and tremendous talents – but they're not starters for 22. I mean, that's not the plan. And if they're in the lineup, it's, it is probably because there have been some injuries. So, hey, there are going to be some veterans that play in front of them. I, I think that's perfectly reasonable. We're going to talk about who that is and who is going to be leading the way, not only that position group, but the rest of the rookie class here in a minute. But I want to tell you guys about our newest sponsor. You can't change the past, but maybe you can help your future self. And now we have a special tool to do it with. It's called Dave. Maybe borrow a little cash. Maybe get yourself clear of a situation like I found myself in many a time. You just need that little bit of extra cash. Dave's the banking app that can help you with that with nearly $500 in instantly earned extra cash. That's the money to fill your tank. It's the money to buy a gift. It's the money to catch up on bills or anything else that you need to get done so you can tackle those expenses that are stressing you out and move on without any hangups. There's no interest. There's no credit check. Millions of people have already downloaded the Dave app to get the financial relief that they need with extra cash. So if you're in a pinch or you want some help or you want a little idea of the future with Dave, it's the future for you right now. Download the Dave app from any app store. That's D-A-V-E, like the name. Sign up for extra cash account and you can get up to $500 instantly. For terms and conditions, make sure... You go to Dave.com slash legal. Instant transfer fees apply. Banking is provided by Evolve, the member FDIC. Your future you will thank you. My future me thanks me for doing this show with you. And thank you, Matt. Uh, <laughs> the future is what this is. This whole segment, this whole show is about, right? All these young guys, particularly in the secondary, there's one that we haven't mentioned yet. And that's because there isn't a whole lot of question about what his role is. As little as the fans have been 
hearing hype because hype is is what drives a lot of our current media situation. Who's the guy that's been the most solid out of this rookie class and is the guy that's going to start day one? Do you have a name? I mean, it's Trent McDuffie. I mean, you know, of all the draft picks, the one that the, that is absolutely certainly the most guaranteed to start on day one is McDuffie. And there's going to be a lot of the rookies that that play a lot, and there might be some more that still earn that starting spot. But there's no doubt. I mean, McDuffie is absolutely uh, one of the starters. I, hey, it's still possible that that he is the third starter at that corner spot. I mean, I think it's more than likely than not that he's probably is just starting from the onset outside. Uh, but he's at this point, I think, proven himself. I mean, does he have some things to improve on and grow? Yeah, you know, absolutely. I mean, all, all the young guys do. I mean, that's absolutely the case. Um, but as I wrote about on Chiefs Digest today, I mean, really. The 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 only thing I think you could really knock against in, in, against uh, McDuffie at this point is height. I mean, uh, and that's the only see it when he's going up against somebody like you know Mark Marquez Valdez Gantling who's six three and has got four inches on him. I mean, that's still a tough assignment, and he's still covered him well. So I've been really impressed with McDuffie. I mean, and, and like Andy Reid said over the weekend, um, he just consistently seems to be close to the ball. I mean, he's not getting beat. Um, even when he does give up plays, he's been in the neighborhood. He hasn't really truly been beaten badly at all. Um, I think there's a lot to like there, and the Chiefs are, have been really happy with the pick so far. I, I think that they should be. This is pretty much what I expected. He does, he's got a weakness, and then it is length. There's no way that you're going to change that. It is about playing in phase and being close to the play. For me, it's about the fact that you're getting what you want, and he is making a transition. He didn't play much man in college, like 18% of his snaps and all of his college career were in man. And I think Spags talked about it. Was it Saturday about learning the technique that they coach and really diving into it and committing himself to it? Have you seen a progression to this point in camp of how he's moved? Yeah, I think you, you've definitely seen that. And, and you've seen him not only working with the, the coaches, you know, and Dave Merritt, um, but I think you've also seen him working with other players, too. I mean, it's there's been a constant effort in that standpoint. And that's something that it's not just corner, but it's a lot of different positions. I mean, when you come to the Chiefs, I mean, there's certain things that they're going to coach and do differently than, than other teams do. And obviously, like you talked about, I mean, coverage is one of those things. And and playing so much man is going to be new for McDuffie. Um, but I think I think he has been making those adjustments and I think he's been picking it up quickly. And this is a guy that I mean, I think the skill set was already there, but he's also got a really hard, high football IQ that helps. It seems like he's picking things up quickly. The one thing that that I've been impressed is that he's never seemed lost. I mean, this doesn't look like a guy who at any point is confused on a football field about where he's supposed to go. I mean, he consistently seems to be, you know, going to the right places, you know, making the right decisions. And that's pretty rare for any young player, especially at this point in the rookie season. The question comes to me then, if if the secondary is young, he's one of the starters. He's the one guy that we can say will absolutely start. You want to hope that George Karloftis is the next guy that gets the next many reps. But with Carlos Dunlap's arrival, Maybe that doesn't mean that he has to be in a starting role. How do you see that kind of evolution with Dunlop not even up to full speed yet in camp? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's one of the many aspects of the, the Dunlop acquisition that the Chiefs are pleased with. I mean, one is certainly that it's another guy for another strong veteran presence for 
George Karloftis to look at and to, to learn from. So that's a positive. But, you know, it's also another guy that can take the pressure off. I mean, there's not going to be this, you know, that Karloftis has to get on the field, that he has to start, that he has to play a lot from the very beginning, because now the Chiefs can, you know, kind of pick and choose a little bit and not just throw him into the deep end and force him to maybe do more than he's prepared to do. Um, it's not that Karloftis doesn't have the skill or they're, they're, they're concerned about anything with him. It's just that, hey, there's a learning curve for every NFL player. And, you know, we've seen it with others before him. I mean, D4, Justin Houston, I mean, none of these guys, Tom Bahali, none of these guys came into the league 100% ready to go with the edge position. And some of those guys were forced to play earlier than maybe they were ready for, and they got exposed at times. And, hey, if, if Karloftis for a Super Bowl contending team, you don't want that to have to happen. So if they're able to protect him a little bit and, you know, maybe Dunlap plays more early in the season and Karloftis is then able to take on a bigger role as the season progresses, that fits in exactly with Andy Reid's philosophy of, you know, put guys in good positions and, and don't put them in bad spots they're not ready for. So, I mean, I certainly expect Karloftis to be one of those guys who plays a lot more at the end of the season than at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not a concern with Karloftis. To me, if anything, it's just a, another way that you can manage the times, you know, you know, usage for those guys. The you know, a load management should absolutely be a philosophy with this defensive line because I think you want to be able to keep these guys fresh and ready to go in December and January. Now, part of staying fresh, I think Spags mentioned it as well, is, is having a heavier rotation. These three will be the the primary, but I, I think it comes as a surprise to a lot of fans that that fourth. Edge position is Mike Dana's. Is there any question in your mind of that fact? I mean, based on what we've seen in training camp, no. I mean, he has been the consistent starter across from Frank Clark the entire time. And some of that has certainly been, hey, you know what? They want to, they want Karloftis to get some of that time to grow. It doesn't feel like that he has to have all the pressure on him. Uh, Dunlap has just come in. You know, this was his third practice. Uh, today um, he's still not a full go he's ramping up so he he's not really taking a lot of reps yet so that's once again why Dana is out there but there's no doubt I mean those are your top four guys and and it'll be interesting to see how deep the Chiefs go because the conversation right now is you know whether they will kill five or six edge rushers and edge players and maybe only keep four defensive tackles. I mean, the conversation right now is, you know, probably keeping at least nine or 10 on that DL, but it's going to be the split, whether it's six and four or five and five. And right now, I mean, I think that probably six and four is a little bit more likely. And then that brings in another thing that we've seen in the training camp, which has been a lot of these edge guys kicking inside on occasion. That ability is nice to have when you can have that versatility and and really mix and match. I think that's going to be useful. We'll talk about that and how they're spearing up to get into the next phase here in a minute. Because if I'm going to bet that Mike Dana plays more snaps than Carlos Dunlap, I'm probably going to lose. But it might be that way the first couple of weeks. If you want to get on the action or any of the crazy prop bets, you can go do that at betonline.net for all the odds, lines, games, podcasts, information, and everything that you need to get your money into the action on time and in a smart way. You want to check them out. Their website is easy to use from any device. Get over there today. It's Bet Online, where the game starts. The game starts for me is how are you going to use guys to their utmost ability? And I, I like that sending guys inside. I think Carlos can play there. We know Mike Dana can. He did in college. Like We have all that down. That's one way. The other thing about 
the D line group that I find really intriguing is how you mix and match those. And as they get closer, not only to the Bears game in the first preseason, but as they get closer to the regular season, how often do you think that we're going to see edge guys, that they're going to go lighter? And Chris is really going to be the only D tackle that's on the field in passing situations. Yeah, I mean, we've we have seen in training camp, and this is once again, I mean, I put this with the caveat that at certainly at this point in camp, they're trying everything. They're doing a lot of rotations and maybe even testing some things that you're not going to see during the regular season because maybe they find that it doesn't work. Um, but, you know, Dan has been a, a prime example of a guy that, you know, we've seen kicking inside. Um, but having three defensive ends on the field, you know, or at least players that you would define as, as edge and end players. Um, on the field at the same time and kicking him around has been pretty common. It's even, uh, you know, been a common sight to maybe have two ends and edge players on the field. And Chris Jones is still lined up on the outside. I mean, you know, this point, Joe Cullen really wants to kind of figure out with this defensive line group, what all these guys can do, where's their best positions, where he can take advantage of some versatility and maybe try and take advantage of some matchups. I mean, there's going to be times when maybe they do like Chris Jones in particular matchups on the outside and maybe somebody else on the inside. Um, but, you know, I, I still think that, you know, part of this is that, you know, you mentioned it. I mean, the Chiefs probably have a lot of guys that they do feel like that have some versatility and can play multiple positions. But outside of, you know, Chris Jones as a, as a three tech, I mean, do they have anybody who is truly the master of any position? And that might be where, you know, this D-line gets tripped up is that, you know, do they have anybody else that can really consistently win their matchups? And, you know, we'll see with Frank Clark. I mean, maybe maybe the slim down Frank Clark as a speed guy will be a different Frank Clark. Let's see. And if that's another guy that can win some matchups consistently, so be it. But that seems to be, at least at this point, I think the one thing that they're missing. Well, let's cross our fingers in, in that direction because I, I hope that he is. But the question becomes, if you have to go to base, uh, Derek Naughty looks to be his normal self. Um, excellent against the run every now and then you're going to get a pass rush out of him that helps. But like you were saying before, if it's a 60, 40 split, Stallworth was out. Was he back at practice today? And is he have the edge over Colin Saunders or Turk Wharton and being one of those four D tackles? Yeah, he was, he was not out there today. Um, but right now, I mean, I would, I would include Wharton and, and Saunders as among the, those being those top four guys. I mean, Stallworth has been kind of in that next group. But again, I mean, hey, it's close competition. I'd say he's certainly still in the mix in that spot. Mm -hmm. uh, and if they if it went five and five, I think it would absolutely be Stallworth there. But yeah, that's that's still a lot to be decided. But one thing that you know too, you, and you kind of bring this into it is that with Joe Cullen, um, he seems to be really preferring these guys to be a little bit more slim and yeah. consistently across every position. Because one thing that I keep hearing from everybody on the defensive line is that Cullen wants them to get upfield and be quick. And that's, I mean, if you're, once again, if you're going to be quick, you can't do it at, you know, some of the heavier weights that these guys have had, especially some of the interior players. So, Hey, and, and I, and, and I exclude to a degree Colin Saunders from that because he's just a freak of nature with, you know, I mean, Joe Cullen might be the guy that can really untap what's in Colin Saunders because he is quick. Yeah. And, you know, it's just a matter of, Hey, can they get him up field faster? And, and that's my favorite quote of this whole weekend was that just talking about wants me to get into the ball, get into the gaps, and go after things. I think that is – it could be a sea change for this defense over what we've seen over the last several years, and especially on passing downs. But if we don't see that sea change, I come back to a couple of things. We don't have to go super deep into this, but I want to get your take on a couple of deals. In particular, 
On the offensive side, I, I think they're experimenting as well. They went for the first time, what, 14 play drive this this practice, right? We that had 14 is all... on Saturday and 16 on Sunday. 16 on Sunday. Oh, Lord. Okay. Now, is that counting the, like the 17 um, false start penalties? Um, that was a different period. Okay. So, okay. No, okay. that did not include the false starts. So I don't remember them going to this this early in camp with these long drive uh, like recreations. Does that give you an inkling that they're doing something different or they feel that they have to hit the ground running faster this season? Yeah, it is intriguing because, you know, Andy Reid's done a few things differently this training camp, and some of them are CBA dictated as far as just the length of practices and some things that you can do. But I think it's also that, you know, he's he's just kind of evolving in general. I mean, he's doing a few things with his practices, and we've seen it, you know, during the OTAs with some things that they picked up from the pandemic that they liked and decided to keep around. So, you know, they they didn't get they weren't on the field as much. During that time, I mean, he let guys work away from the facility more than they've done in the past. And with this camp, yeah, I mean, they the, the ramp up and the acclimation period because of the CBA was a little bit more extended and slower and practices were shorter and a little bit less intense. But now I think, yeah, you're, you're getting to the point where now he's he's kind of pushing them in, in that these practices are going to be a little bit more intense because normally there were just it was one long drive day. It wasn't back-to-back mm-hmm. -back sessions like this. So I think it's a little bit of Andy Reid adjusting to the realities of the, the 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 new trends and the CBA and just what you know he needs to do with his players. But two, I think it's also a little bit of it is you know pushing all this young these young players. He's got a young team, he's got a lot of rookies. And and I think he wants to push them to see what they can do and to see how they handle adversity. Well, that and, and there's still a lot of snaps being played by the second year guys. You know, Nick Dalton talked about those those long drives and getting into that rhythm. I think that's important and good for both those classes. The last thing, and, and this is this is fun for me. I don't know if everybody's going to dig this, but I want to know, is this real or is this aimed at what the Los Angeles Chargers have to do in preparing for week two? Is this Wildcat stuff with McColl real? <laughs> You know, I, I made a joke actually today in, in the in the 10th that I'm like, as much as we have seen McColl in, in the Wildcat, what are the odds that we're going to see this thing 800 times during training camp and not a single time during the regular season? And that it's all just to get some teams, yeah, thinking about it. Um, I, I mean, I, I think it's probably something that they're going to use. Um, how much they use it with McColl and maybe some other players get mixed into it too, because my gut tells me that when the doors are closed and some of the walkthroughs, that there might be some other guys running the Wildcat, not just McColl. Could so, that be 2-4? Do you think so? I mean, that would be a very intriguing name to, to speculate about that maybe could possibly be in there um i mean it make even it, it even makes sense with mccall so mm -hmm. but once again i mean i've got him in this little philosophy of you know oh. it's not going to surprise anybody because of how many times we've seen it at the training camp <laughs> i think it's squarely aimed at Staley. we'll see what happens that's that's where we're at today folks check out chief digest for all the updates if you want the details that we didn't get into you got to go hit up the daily reports that Matt's doing so you can be as though you were there. That's what's important. Matt, thanks for the time. We appreciate you being here as always. Always a pleasure, Ryan. Take care, everybody. He'll be back on Wednesday. We will talk to you then. Have a great Monday, and we'll see you tomorrow.